Hey folks, hope you enjoyed part one of Romero's Reanimated and Remade. By now you have had your fill of turkey flesh and are coming back to join us while we talk about things feasting on human flesh. I'm your host, Moose, and with me again... Hey, I'm Randall. I'm back. Can't get rid of me. I wouldn't want to get rid of you. What are we talking about today, Randall? On second thought, I need to escape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, I believe, our continuation of our Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead episode discussion thing, uh, because you invited me on to talk about four movies that I had a lot to say about. And it went longer than either one of us thought it would. I have listened to part one, and I enjoyed it. If your listeners are just tuning in, they should definitely... I definitely recommend they check out part one. I thought it was a fun conversation. I mean, we could be biased, but I I agree. Hey, but I bet you have a brief word from a sponsor that you need to cut to, right? Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com, where they have podcasts for days. Do you like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com. Pick your favorite podcast today. I know those guys. Sit tight. We'll be right back with Romero's Reanimated and Remade Part 2. So, how about that uh, Electronic Media Collective? Look at that. Shameless self-promotion. Normally, commercials are the worst, but when they're commercials for things that I'm involved in personally, yeah, I like it. I like them. Those are great commercials. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Chugging on ahead. Dawn of the Dead, 1978. The sequel to the 1968 Night of the Living Dead. And, of course, you know, it spawned the infamous tagline, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. I was yeah. gonna say it's it's one of the sequels. It's it's maybe the most official. Uh, of I, the say, I think it's the first the, the first sequel of what six. Yeah, and then if you it didn't come out to around the time Day of the Dead came out, but the Return of the Living Dead was written by I think the co-writer of Night of the Living Dead as a sequel to Night of the Living Dead as well. So then, if you're wondering where you can catch this, right now, YouTube. Not not sure how much longer, but right now, YouTube. Why is, uh, dude, why is this nowhere? I, yeah, I couldn't find this anywhere. Luckily, I have, I do have this on DVD. I think I have a couple copies. But yeah, th- why is this not streaming anywhere? The rights holder has a death grip on it. Attention, we interrupt this podcast with important news bulletin. Just three days after recording this episode, it was announced that the original Down of the Dead is now slated for a new 4K release in the near future. We now return you to your previously scheduled podcast. And that's the, uh, I can't remember if it's the co-director or the co-producer of the movie, but back in 2007, he had it converted into uh, 3D format, right at the you know height of 3D everything, which cost him like $6 million. And he wants that money paid 
to release uh to release this out on something and until somebody matches that he's not going to release it so <sighs> we probably have to outlive we have to outweigh him at this so, point so he went and spent a bunch of money on an expensive 3D conversion interesting by the way because a 3D a 2D to 3D conversion has been done on the original Night of the Living Dead I would like to see that but um so he spent a bunch of money on 3D conversion Apparently, nobody was like, nobody cared. And he's like, well, I want money. You're not getting this movie until you give me the money. Yeah. It's like, and now everybody wants, you know, a DVD or Blu-ray of Dawn of the Dead. And he's like, I need my money back. I I didn't know that. You're kind of a dick. That's super super interesting. I didn't know that. What's funny is, I think at this point, if you were to self-publish the Blu-rays... He could probably make that six million in sales, or at least come awful close. Well, see, and that's the thing. Like, I don't get holding on to the holding on to it because you're guaranteed you're not going to make any money. Then I guess he's just waiting for somebody to get desperate enough to pay him six million dollars for the rights to distribute it. But it, well, because sitting on it doesn't. Criterion wanted to do it, and they're like, "We're not paying you six million dollars. <laughs> you're out of your mind." Yeah, because Criterion got the rights to distribute. They. Um, distributed the like super nice 4K restore restored uh, remastered from original film negatives of the original movie of Nine of the Living Dead. Yeah, but yeah, apparently that it's not worth six million <laughs> to them, huh? Well, and it only co- it cost just under seven hundred thousand to make the movie to begin with. So the amount of money that he's asking for at this point, at this point. You're looking at a project of passion on your end. You don't get your money back on that. It sounds like he overvalued it. It sounds like he went forward with the 3D thing. And also the 3D thing hasn't really panned out. You know, it's not a, as big. It didn't start the world on fire. Like I think a lot of um, distributors and producers would have hoped. Yeah. But uh, also... Obviously, he kind of overvalued. I mean, Dawn of the Dead is a classic, and yeah, it, it needs to be released on streaming stuff and whatnot. But like, obviously, he overvalued what this demand would be. Or, I mean, at this point, at least a theatrical release. You know, put it back in theaters for a little bit. You already have it converted. The theaters are set up for it. But I don't. I don't think a movie like Dawn of the Dead is would get a wide theatrical release. You're probably looking at something like. Alamo Drafthouse release or something yeah. like that, which would be awesome. But I don't know what I don't know what they pay out. Like I don't it's know that doesn't dollars. Yeah, that's not a big <laughs> enough distribution to yeah. But yeah, so that's why you can't find it anywhere except YouTube. And and when you mean probably- YouTube, you're talking like somebody illegally up. You know, it's there until the the system catches catches it and it's it gets there. Yeah. Copyright infringement. Yeah. Until the FC, FTC drops the hammer. They're like, is this movie for kids? <laughs> uh, no. Will kids find it appealing? Probably. Yes. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Pay us $42,000. Random YouTuber who probably lives in... His mother's basement. Know, his mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You basement dweller. Listeners, if you're a basement dweller, I am not knocking that. 
I actually prefer the basement. It's colder. It is cool. Yeah. All right. Into the movie. My biggest burning question is who stopped burning the dead? Why are there so many dead bodies? I mean, the biggest thing from Night of the Living Dead was you kill them, you burn them. Mm -hmm. Who stopped burning the dead? You sent me an interesting... Well, obviously, some people didn't get that memo. (laughs) But uh, you sent me an interesting message. You're like, could you clarify like the time frame on these movies? And I'm like, well, Dawn of the Dead, as far as I could tell, pretty much picks up like right as Night of the Dead... Night of the Living Dead is happening, or, like, immediately after Night of the Living Dead. Like, Night of the Living Dead is the initial outbreak, and this is, like, it's breaking out, you know. That said, there's still ten years between the movies, and they're both placed at modern times. So, like, it's like the next day, ten years later, (laughs) with a (laughs) ten-year gap. A literal ten-year. I didn't realize it was a literal decade between releases on these. Yeah. yeah. They stopped burning the dead, and it's, it's like, oh, you know, this would go a lot... You know, y'all be in a better place right now if you'd kept up on the cremation that we talked about 10 years ago yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) 10 years ago yesterday. (laughs) Well, this is definitely – your next note is pandemonium from the start. This is definitely – like this movie takes the angle of – because Night of the Living Dead, like when it ends, both of them, when it ends, you kind of get the feeling that like – not that the problem's resolved, but people have, like, humanity has gotten a grasp on the problem. Oh, it's it's martial law and anarchy everywhere. This, yeah, this movie is just, like, no, it's, it's like, very modern-day zombie movie. To Like, if Night of the Living Dead established what modern zombies are, Dawn of the Dead kind of established what a modern zombie apocalypse looks like. Because that is what this is. We're fighting a losing battle. Well, and now now we get to the part where, which is why you call me old on things. We get to, it, 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 it's that scene from Airplane where the shit literally hit the fan. It, it's the start of this movie. I mean, th- th- that's what it was. Was th- This movie started when the shit hit the fan and we were just off and running. See, what I think happens is this movie starts the same time Night of the Living Dead starts. It's that night. Except... In, in the rural areas, there are not as many people, so they think they've gotten a grasp on things. They're wrong in the country because those cities is a war zone, and eventually that war zone is going to trickle back out into the rural areas. Like, there'll be more stragglers hanging around for longer in the rural areas, and I think that's how it would actually be. We're more spread out. I say we kind of give it a little giveaway of wh- where I live a little bit. We're more <laughs> spread out. Like, Paul, you're, you're screwed. At least I'm a little ways away from Omaha. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so we can get away from zombies without getting cornered as easily. It's it's an apocalypse in the city. And uh, this is – that's very much kind of how this movie oh, approaches Oh, most definitely. It. I see it. Oh. The, the settings are uh, very – you go from farm town to big city. And you're right. You do notice the difference in uh, um, attack levels basically. And that's, I mean, that's kind of how it would be. Uh, I like, dude, it really does just dump you into it. I like how this movie opens in a television station and you just hear the arguing and like, it's, it's just <laughs> madness in there. losing their minds. <laughs> yep. And then you even like, the scope of this movie is kind of impressive coming off of Night of the Living Dead because... Like, you even go in with, like, some of our characters are, they were cops or something, right? They were, like, riot police, basically. Yeah. 
But you uh, get one of them was Ken Forey. But yeah, I can't think of the character's name. We're, but yeah, two of them were cops. We had two cops, a pilot, and then not an anchor woman, but she worked in the news station. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what she was—a like producer or a journalist or something. Say maybe an editor because she—I I know she had to do a lot with the teleprompter and the emergency. Uh, she was in the office, yeah. office personnel of the news station. And but we get like a. Follow two of them on a little like sweep through a building to clear it out of zombies, but like it's like a active zombie attack. There's living people and zombies in there, and this is where we get one of the infamous. Because uh, this movie had some troubles with censorship with the censors, and like this movie was banned from several countries for its for its violence. And this that scene's where we get the infamous like shotgun head explosion, yeah, which is insane, insane. Um, well, and we also got, uh, I had this in my notes and I took it out because I ran out of space. Uh, we also got um, cops that were, like, reluctant to kill. Like, when they went into the scene, uh, the scene where they go into the cage, and it's, and I hate this phrase right now, but, you know, it, at this point it's shooting fish in a barrel. Um, the look on Foray's face, when he knows he has to unload on him, he just he doesn't want to pull the trigger mm-hmm. and it's just like, wow, you don't really see that in movies like this. Like th- there's uh, like his buddy always has that like glimmer of, yeah, I'm going to do this, you know, but he's just like, this is wrong. This is wrong on so many levels. Well, I like it because I mean, nowadays there's so many zombie things and zombie movies and shows, they'll still do it. But you kind of, a lot of them will just brush past kind of what the reality of it would be to because they want to get to zombie, shoot them in the head action. But this still plays on like the reality of maybe you don't know they're a zombie. Maybe you don't know if they're coming back or maybe even if you know they're like a zombie or infected, like it's still a person. The reality of dealing with, you got to shoot the, the, a bunch of people in the head. Like that's not going to be easy. All right. In all fairness. In this movie, unless you were in Vegas, you knew they were zombies. Yeah? Yeah, because it was <laughs> now Attack wh- of the Blue Man Group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we couldn't find another color to make the zombies. I mean, like, the, I'm watching this. It's like, oh, wow. They're all blue. And it's a little questionable. <laughs> it's a little questionable. Like, they sh- should have maybe went a little more gray, pale blue, gray. but. This is like your blue. (laughs) I find a lot of people that watch this for the first time or younger people that watch it. That's like the thing that really gets them. They're like, why are they just, they're just blue. They're painted blue. It's like, well, dude, there's a lot of zombies in this movie. Yeah. You get, you get some quote unquote hero zombies. And I'm not saying like they're hero zombies, but you know, the, the up close up to the camera, like where they, they spent time on this zombie. This zombie cost them money. So you, there's some great makeup effects, but for the most part, dude, no, they're just like there's so the many masses, zombies. Okay, we just need to just paint them blue. <laughs> we, we need to blue wash them. Yeah, the blue is questionable. It should have went more gray or something. But uh, yeah, it, they're just blue people <laughs> painted blue. And then you know we get we get a scene of what. Apparently, what martial law in the 70s would look like, and I think, honestly, it's about what it would look like today. Rednecks everywhere. 
hanging zombies from trees and using them as target practice. And the big redneck party. The end of Night of the Living Dead, the end of the remake of Night of the Living Dead played on that idea quite a bit. Yeah. More so than the original Night of the Living Dead. But yeah, they do it here too. But yeah, it was just one big like redneck and army party where it was, I'll shoot him. No, it's my turn to shoot him. You know, it's like, wow, it's a game. That's kind of sad, but in all reality, that's kind of what it would turn into for most folks, because that's how they would cope with something like this. I mean, all of a sudden you have all these dead people coming back to life. You got to have some way out of it. And then, you know, you had mentioned hero zombies, the up close zombies. My favorite one that we've seen up to this point, I don't know his name. I call him a little off the top. (laughs) Yep. Because he's... uh, He's the one that walks into the propeller blades of the helicopter when they're getting refueled. And that is one of the coolest. <laughs> like, he, you know, he climbs over the box to get to the guy who's putting gas in. And he's all, he's thinking he's slick. He's standing up on top of that box and just, whoosh, just right the off top the top. of his skull, yeah. <laughs> you know? I yeah, mean, it, that's pretty good. It's like, it was probably one of the best kills in the movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, 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 I appreciate that they the makeup appliance is a little questionable. They they made his head extra big, bef- like just to hide it to hide the extra like. Oh yeah, once it gets cut off, but it still is pretty cool. And then we get to Steven, who thank God he's a better pilot than he is a shot because that guy <laughs> could not shoot to save anybody's life. Yeah, ooh, we he's the. If I'm re- recalling correctly, he uh, he's the uh, kind of the wimp of the group. Am I right? Yeah, he's yeah. the pilot. He's Flyboy. They call that's why Fly I'm Boy. not remembering. Yeah. They always call him Flyboy. I'm like Stephen. Yeah, Flyboy. He's kind of the wuss a little yeah. bit. How many malls do you know have a helipad? Dude, this mall is <laughs> <laughs> this mall is like on is unlike any other mall. How many malls have a helipad, a grocery store, a gun store? Dude, a well, I was going to say a bank, but grocery stores have banks now. But, like, dude, this ball has everything you would need. Well, look by at the way, ball in uh, Blues Brothers. It had all of that. Did it? Yeah. Did it have a helipad? I don't know if it had a helipad, but it had the rest of it. They, dro- they drove through it all. Uh <laughs> No, yeah, this mall has everything you need. Like, they found the be- the perfect mall for yeah. the zombie apocalypse. Dude, for the most part, this movie's interesting because most of it seems super fun. And this kind of put that fantasy of, like, yeah, I it would be awesome to mall. live in a mall. Yeah, because yeah. you got all this stuff. They, they have arcade machines, uh, apparently an endless generator because that thing apparently <laughs> seems to go for months and months. Yeah. <laughs> Like the power, fortunately, they the power never quits. No, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be awesome. They slide down the uh, elevator, the escalator. That, that's what it thing. was. Yeah, when they were in the uh, when they were getting tools and stuff in the one sh- uh, shopping center, it was like, man, you know, at least they can have fun while they're doing this, and then they you know distract all the zombies down to the lower level to get out on the upper level and go rescue Flyboy. Who was this jump shoot for shit? This jumps ahead a bit, but I mean, they have so much fun that they they invite some bikers over to have a pie fight with a bunch of zombies. <laughs> this, this movie gets wacky. Um, that's one of the things that's cut out of the uh, what's his name, the Italian cut. Hmm. But the pie fight is cut out of uh, oh, what's his name? He's the director of 
Tenebrae, um, Suspira, Argento, the Argento cut, because ah. he was a producer on this. Um, he was not happy with the tone that Romero went with, so there's a much longer, much more kind of dark cut of this movie, and the pie fight's gone. A lot of the mall music is gone, replaced by creepy goblin nonstop. Interesting. Um, yeah, if you've never watched it, it's worth a watch. I there's aspects of it I like better. I like some of the darkness. I like some of the stuff that got cut. Like they cut some. They come across to around the time there's the take a little off the top scene in when they're like investigating the little building out there while the guy's gassing up the the helicopter. Um, they come across two small children zombies and have to gun them down. And that got cut out of the Romero cut because they're like, that's too dark. Um, fast forward to 2004, we got Zombie Baby. But, uh, <laughs> and I like some of the, some of the gob, the music by Goblin. Um, some of it stayed in the movie, in the Romero cut. It's kind of iconic music. Yeah. Uh, but in the, the Argento cut, as you can imagine, it's all Goblin all the time to kind of the detriment. Like they replay the same tracks a lot. Um, but, some of the iconic Dawn of the Dead stuff is cut out of it. Like you don't get the mall music, dude. You can't have Dawn of the Dead without the mall music. That kind of goofy stock mall music that they use. The the, the music, the music, kind of sets a tone that's iconic to this movie. You don't get that, and uh, and it's too long. It's it's way too long. This is at least a bit better paced. Well, and I liked how in the press conference the uh, they made the clarification that these are not cannibals because they can't be cannibals. They're not eating their own kind. They're only going after humans. They're operating on, they called it pure motorized instinct. You know, so they can't be cannibals because to be a cannibal, you have to eat your own species. At this point, they're dead. They're only going after living beings. Yeah, they, okay, that's where they draw the line where they're like, we don't consider these humans anymore. One of the other things I liked was Francine. Uh, she put her foot down pretty early on in their stay in the mall that she wasn't going to be that typical, like, damsel in distress of the group. Yeah. She's and not going to be the was, den mother. Was like, and that was pretty badass. She's like, I'm going to learn how to fly the helicopter. You're going to leave me with a gun. There's four of us. I get you know, I get a say in the decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not leaving me out of this. No, yeah, it's good. She's a good character, and maybe that's a little bit of a uh, Romero making sure that they didn't repeat the 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 Barbara thing. Yeah, I guess. But uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, no. This movie gave us characters we could invest in. You know, want, you wanted to see them make it out alive. Yeah, I like the characters, with the exception of Flyboy. Yeah, <laughs> I, Flyboy's fine. You feel bad when he how it goes for him, but you know, he's he's a nerd. He's like I don't know. He's not something about him. You know, I like the two the two badasses. And I I like Francine. Um, they're all kind of cool characters. When the one when the one guy, um, not Flyboy, but the other white guy, kind of loses his shit. I don't get it. I don't really like how he loses it. But you know, whatever. Still though, say cool. when he lost it, he lost it. He, yeah. And then his turn from human to zombie was really long and kind of gut-wrenching to watch. And that is and great. Oh, it was, it was great for, you know, for the movie. Don't get me wrong. I mean, just that transition from watching the virus, you know, take hold and, you know, 
turn you from this living human being to just another blue man. Well, and this I'm sure we'll get into shortly, but unlike the remake, there's fewer characters, so it actually can spend time. You get to spend time with these characters more to get more attached, and they're not all completely despicable. (laughs) Yeah. So you actually kind of care, unlike the 2004 movie where, for the most part, there's so many characters that eventually you don't really spend a whole lot of time with any of them. Most of them you don't care about at all. Yeah, you just kind of get overwhelmed. I will say I really loved the in-mall human zombie action. Just mm-hmm. the, the, the clearing out of the zombies from the mall was phenomenal. I mean... When is... I, I don't think it's till after What's-His-Name gets infected, but I love the wheeling the guy around. Yeah. When he's got the gun shooting zombies. They're like running through with a wheelbarrow and he's in the wheelbarrow shooting. I love that. Oh, yeah, it was, I mean, just all the action in the mall, just those scenes were terrific. You know, because normally it's just like, okay, we'll stand up here, we'll pick them off one by one. No, they they just level them. That was an actual operational mall, I believe, and they shot overnights there. Yeah. Which is part of the reason, it do, the movie, it doesn't look bad, but it doesn't, you're not getting any of the, like, dynamic lighting, like, I mentioned in Night of the Living Dead because it was all mall lights. So it was just like, well, pretty much everything's just flat, bright mall lights. That's what we got. That's there's not much to do about it. So that's what this movie is going to look like. There's a few scenes where it's in like maybe the offices or they're kind of living areas they set up where you get some nice lighting. But uh, for the most part, because it was a mall, an actual mall, they just like screw it, flood it with light. Clerks almost had the same problem. That's why they went black and white with uh, clerks. Hmm. Because they were doing that overnight, and he didn't have the extra budget to do the uh, light filtering, so he's like, black color correction and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Did you catch the uh, phallic joke between Flyboy and uh, Ken Faree's character when they got the bread? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Flyboy has this little loaf of bread that he got. He's like, here's my bread. And then Faree's character brings out this abnormally large (laughs) loaf of bread, and he goes, yeah, here's mine. Yeah, and it's that typical white guy, black guy, which one's bigger uh, joke. And it, I'm sorry, I was dying. It, well, it dude, it's funny, <laughs> and part of what sells it, part of what sells it is the like the car- the the actors. There's a pretty good dynamic. They play on Flyboy not being an outsider, but being like the runt of the group, and how the other people kind of. Pick, joke on him, joke with him, and pick on him a little bit. Like, there's an interesting dynamic between the characters and the actors have a good chemistry. Yeah, and it really makes that like that kind of scene work. Yeah, for sure. And then we start to see, quote unquote, happy family breakdown after they've been there for. Actually, we're not sure how long they've been there at this point. We just know they've been there long enough to set up, get a couch up into the upstairs. I assumed it's been months because it seems like it's been, it seems like a lot of time has passed to where they're, because the, the thing becomes like, yeah, they're basically living a life of luxury now. And maybe this is one of the commentary, one of the social comments in the movie. They're living a life of luxury, but it's, it's empty and it's never going to be anything other than what it is. Yeah. Um. So it does kind of break down. Also, they've been there long enough that if they haven't cle- cleared out all the those fresh <laughs> vegetables that were in the grocery store, they probably should have. Well, and this is after Flyboy's marriage proposal got shut down. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, at that point, he was already a little salty. So, well, and kind of what was her deal? Wasn't she just like, what's what's the point? Well, yeah, because like it wouldn't be real. There's no one there to actually that's, officiate that's it. it. And, that's the wording too. It wouldn't be real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then after the family breakdown, we're getting her learning how to fly the chopper. And that's when the bikers notice that somebody's in the mall Mm -hmm. and they must be going in through the roof. So it's been long enough that the zombie apocalypse has happened and there are now roving gangs of bikers (laughs) who seem to be dealing with the zombies just fine. Um, Yeah. And yeah, we get bikers. And And uh, again, it comes, this is like, like I was saying with Night of the Living Dead to where the zombies are like a threat, like. You're in a jungle and there's animals. They're an environmental threat. When things finally come to a head in this movie, it's because other humans come and interfere. Yeah. Well, and when the bikers breach the mall, Ken's character even mentions that. He tells Flyboy, he's like, they're not here for us. They're here for the stuff in the mall. Let them get their crap and they'll leave us alone. Mm -hmm. But Flyboy's like, no. This is ours. This is our stuff. Yeah, we cleared it out. We took it over. And that's ultimately his undoing. Yep. Do you think the biker raid was uh, necessary for the movie? Because I I think, and I I think I might, uh, honestly, I think I agree with the Italian director. I think it changed the overall tone of the movie. It's the last 30 minutes of the movie. It goes goofy, man. It goes way over the top. You've got the pie fight with the zombies. One of the guys keeps trying to like check his blood pressure on one of those machines and yeah, he gets until hit. it explodes. <laughs> he gets taken out by a zombie and there's just like the arm there in the cuff still. Like it it's ridiculous, but I really like George Romero's zombie movies. I like other Romero films I've seen, but I've seen enough other Romero movies to know like do he 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 makes some kind of goofy stuff. Like he's not above making some goofy stuff to where it's just like I I don't know if I'd have made that decision. <laughs> well, and I had to wonder if that was, you know, if it was just the kick in the pants. Like, he was looking, he's like, okay, we need something to drive them out of the mall. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe. You know, I mean, but if you're watching, like, because, like, you watch it, and they look like they want to go, but at the same time, they don't want to go. Now they have to go. The easy way would be the zombies break in and override the mall. But they don't do that. Instead, they bring in this biker thing. And I think it's a combination of, yes, they need some type of incident to push the plot, basically. Because they're they the characters have fallen into a second act rut of just, they're just doing their thing, living their life to the point where that's kind of part of the plot itself. Is like they're getting bored with this. So something needs to happen to change that. And I do at least like that they went with that theme of humans are the real issue. And used other humans to push that, you know, to build the climax um, instead of just the zombies break in. That said, like, I don't know. It's I think it's the 70s. And I think Romero just like bikers and the 70s, 70s movies like bikers. And, and so they're like, let's they just like do bikers. The 80s. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, if it was a commentary or like a documentary, but. There was some behind-the-scenes thing I was watching at some point in time on this movie, probably a commentary on the DVD, um, in which somebody was talking about the filming of the motorcycle gang 
riding their motorcycles around the mall. They're like, you know, that was a real mall. Those are all real motorcycles. I don't remember who it was saying this, but they said it was the loudest noise (laughs) they've ever heard in their entire life. Just multiple, I don't know how many motorcycles, like a dozen motorcycles. And we're talking, we're not talking like, you know, motorcycles. They're like Harley type, like just bad boys. Loud pipe bikes. Biker gang bikes. Hauling around just reverberating in this mall. Apparently it was like the loudest, most horrifying sound they've ever heard. There's no way we could record it and put it into the film. There's no way to recreate it, but he said they wish they could have because it was insane. So then... In, in this biker onslaught, Flyboy goes down. We lose Flyboy. And oh, he's, he's Flyboy. Man, the, so when we lose a main character, they get the proper zombie treatment. And Flyboy specifically is kind of an iconic looking zombie. Dude, he does this gross thing with his foot where his ankle's twisted around. And yeah. like he's walking on his ankle. Oh, it's so gross. And, and he's skinny anyway. And that and just the, makes... The, 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 what's really awesome is the fact that earlier in the movie they mentioned, you know, it's why are they coming to the mall? I don't know. Memory is the big thing, right? Memory instinct. Yeah. Well, then Flyboy turns into a zombie. He goes by that hall where they've been and he remembered he remembered the false wall. He remembered the passage, all of that. And it's just like, whoa. I do appreciate that Romero like explored this idea because it takes a big leap in the third movie, but that he went like, basically 30 years because it's like, or I guess 20 years because it's like 10, mo- 10 years between each of these, the first three movies before like slowly evolving this idea of like the smart zombie because yeah, Flyboy does remember the secret yeah. passage um, and he knows, okay, we tear down this wall. There are people up there, so let's go get them. And before we move past it, because I see you have it noted, Tom Savini biker. Yep, love it, <laughs> love it. I see. Yeah, him popping in as the biker was a nice uh, nod to his contribution to the franchise. So then, Flyboy's on his way up, and it's decided Ken's gonna stay back, and Francine's gonna take off. And then Ken decides, nope, I'm not gonna kill myself. I'm gonna take off too. And we get them flying away. Yeah, they do this fake out to where he's going to stay back and blow his brains out. Why? I guess he just got to the point where he's going to give up, but it seems like a rude thing to do. Francine's pregnant, like say, yeah, super like, pregnant. You're leave her on her own? Pregnant to fly off to who knows where? Like, where are they going to do? They're probably going to fly off and die because where are they going to go? But apparently some draft of the movie, it he was going to blow his brains out. Like it was ended super dark. Well, I mean, you could see it in his eyes. He wanted to. But then the hero music starts. Yeah, and he's, and he goes all like Bruce Lee on uh, zombies. And I, I noticed how did the gun stealing zombie make it to the end? Yeah. I also like that because that's another hint at the smart zombie. He doesn't know how to use a gun, but he does. He, he way earlier in the barrel, movie, the way down at the, he stares down that barrel the whole movie. And he wants that gun though. He he's like I'll, this. Yes, I want this. What is? And, yes. and that's even how Ken Faris' character gets away. He just. He takes his gun and he gets to the chopper. But you're right. That was like way earlier in the movie and he's like still around at the end. It's like he makes it through the whole movie and they talk about how they wiped out everybody in the mall. So did he leave the mall at some point? Yep. He went to the mall, got his gun, went home for a bit. <laughs> I mean, hear the bikers or something? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and then because yeah, I thought, okay, he's gone. And then, no, he pops back up. I was like, I'll be damned. There's the gun guy. Um, 
After a short break, we'll be right back with our look at Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Oh, Paul. Hand me those marshmallows. I want to make some s'mores. Whose idea was it to go camping in December? This is ridiculous. Well, it's Friday the 13th. You have to go camping on Friday the 13th. Why is that again? This doesn't seem like a good idea. Because if we don't go camping on Friday the 13th, how are we going to talk about Friday the 13th, 4, 5, and 6? You're right. You're right. That'll make a great follow-up to the last Grolic Cinematic Universe Friday the 13th special in which we talked about parts 1, 2, and 3. That's right. We talked about when Jason was born. So this time we get to talk about like teen angst Jason. Jason's hit adolescence. Now he's starting to come into his own, but he's real emo about it. And the directors weren't sure about him either. <laughs> yes, that is quite apparent. Well, you know what? That's a good idea. We'll talk about some Jason movies around this campfire while we try not to freeze to death the week of Friday the 13th of December. Hey, how can we freeze? We have a nice lake for ice skating. We have a fire and we have a killer somewhere in the woods. What was that? Quick, let's get out of here. We need to go to GrawlixPodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com and check out the Grawlix Cinematic Universe Friday the 13th Special Part 2 coming up in December. I'll be joined by special guest co-host Paul of Moose's Monster Mash and we're going to talk about Friday the 13th Part 4, 5, and 6. You know, when the series really started to... It just really started to get real good. On second thought, I'm just going to sit here and wait for Jason to come. And now, to Dawn of the Dead, 2004. Enter the 2000s, zombies. I'll say, I know you don't do ratings because these aren't reviews. Horror, just horror movies talking about, or horror movies, (laughs) horror movies talking about horror horror fans, horror discussion, all that. Anyway, uh, these first three movies, I'd give probably five stars to each of them. I can see that. that's not the case with this other movie (laughs) with this next one um i do need to jump ahead in my notes a little bit because it took me a while to research uh this one because i saw it pop up while i was watching it and i had to research it but i didn't know until the rewatch that the costume designer was uh denise cronenberg uh david cronenberg's sister interesting yeah yeah cool i didn't know that either so interesting you know it it had that nice, you know, Cronenberg connection. So I, I thought that was really cool to add on to the list. Because, yeah, I was watching the credits. I saw Cronenberg. I was like, wait, what? Hold on. Go back. <laughs> and, yeah, Denise Cronenberg, David's sister. But, yeah, this movie started slower than the, than the 78 version. Like... You're in the hospital. It just kind of drags on for a little bit. But then when it does start, the zombies are faster, and they go right to it, man. I mean, it's... They're on you. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't kick you right into right into it. Like, it, the breakout... The outbreak happens overnight, and you don't really see that. It's like you start, it's a pretty normal day. The next morning, 
it's the apocalypse. Yeah. And um, that is one thing I'll give this movie is like once it kicks into the, the zombie action stuff is is great. Is pretty cool. Oh yeah. This for the first half of the movie I find myself rooting for the zombies. <laughs> and that's terrible, but I was rooting for the zombies. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, uh but the yeah, turn the, the 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 zombie turn rate is faster. Like they bite you and it's almost instantaneous that you're dead, you're back. Like which gets a little convoluted later on. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it depends. It's conven it it depends what's convenient for the story because yeah. I don't know how long the pregnant lady lasted, but it wasn't no minutes like everybody else. She lasted way longer. Well, and then there's the heavier set chick in the wheelbarrow. Uh, dude, I know she died technically while she was in there. She is a zombie before she got there. She looked freaking horrible. Like, dude, when they wheeled her in, people. Should- People they should have like, said, oh, no, take her back out. Like, oh, how's she doing? No, people should have screamed. Like, what is that? Get that out of here. Uh, but the zombies seemed to be stronger in this movie. They are stronger, faster, way more agile. That little girl zombie, who's the first one we see in the movie, like, she gets knocked down. And then she like does this like Spider-Man jump like, up. Contortionist it's like, thing. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And starts running. And that's kind of the big. So 28 days later, I want to say, is what kicked <coughs> the zombie, the modern movie zombie craze off. That movie came out. It did fast zombies. Well, I know hardcore purists, they're not zombies. They're infected people. But yes, but it is for all intents and purposes, a zombie genre movie. And that kind of kicked this off. And this kind of definitely, I think I have my dates right. 28 Days Later was first, right? I'm pretty sure so. it was. And this then took that the fast zombie and ran with it. <laughs> they put the zombie on crack. Also, uh, Zack Snyder movie. One of the first. Zack. I, th- I think this is the first big Zack Snyder movie. And we got the Snyder cut. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, like, man. So, I'm not a big fan of Zack Snyder movies. And it, here's the thing: like, he's got such a great visual style. But as a director, I find his movies, and I'll include 300. And I like 300. His character work, like the characters, I never care about characters in Zack Snyder movies. I don't know what it is. Maybe, and I know it's not. He's not writing the scripts, but I know he's the director. He's got a hand in how it, how the characters come across. And this is this suffers the same thing where it's like, yeah, like it looks great. There's great action, but like, I don't care about any of the characters in this movie. No, and that seems to be a common thing for me with across the board on almost all Zack Snyder movies. And I don't know what it is. Well, and people tend to hail this as like one of the great remakes. And it's got to be on an action front. Because you're right. On a character level, up until maybe the end where the few remaining ones get their redemption, like their personal story redemption, they suck. I think the character... I mean, they're all in it for themselves. They all have their own personal agendas. They... What what did I say? Yeah, there's nobody to root for, really. No. No. I I think you're supposed to root for the chick... 
and you you don't even really want to root for her. So no, yeah, and most of the characters I don't care for. I don't like at all. Uh, the chick who's kind of our main character, she's who we come into the movie with. She's not despicable. She's just not really anything. She's interesting. There's nothing to her. It doesn't she, she flesh her out the Barbara at all. Trap. Well, and it's not like she's a completely weak character, like weak in terms of, you know, she does stuff, but like there's no personality. She has no personality, like zero personality. Yeah. That's the problem. Characters either have no personality, so you don't care, or over the top douchebag. And that's, uh, come on. Well, and then you had Ving Rhames and Mackay Pfeiffer. Who basically got to play themselves. Ving Rhames playing a big, strong, passing for scary black guy. And Mackay Pfeiffer, who was Hollywood's go-to quasi-ghetto black guy at the time. And I, I find... I like Ving Rhames. And I like Mackay Pfeiffer. I just... But I find their... Ving Rhames' character is not likable in this. No. He's, he's, Ving, he's, he's got the <laughs> Ving Rhames badassness... But like for the most part, he's just kind of a selfish dude. Like he's it doesn't got no heart. Yeah, and then, but they're both flat, one-dimensional characters. Uh, what's his name? What's the other guy's name? Uh, Mackay Pfeiffer. Man, he's like he's a stereotype. Like dude, he's just that, a, that's, he's just that's a, what most of his roles were in the two thousands. His character comes across as a stereotype. But like even a flat weak one at that, like oh, yeah. I, I, I know what they're was going for to be the gangbanger. Yeah, but but I, but I don't really buy wasn't. it. <laughs> he doesn't come across as it, but that's what they in the dialogue build him bill him as. And there's one scene where they're the two those two dudes are in the bathroom and they're supposed to like it's supposed to be like the one scene where they because they're at odds because the one's a cop and the other guy's a, was a criminal maybe. Um, and it's the one scene where they're, they're supposed to have like a kind of a heart to heart and have kind of a Blake breakthrough because the one guy's going to be a dad and like, dude, it's sloppy. It, the yeah. dialogue is sloppy and it's cheesy and it doesn't work for me in the slightest. And that's the one, like one part of the movie that tried to give the characters some heart and it didn't dude. It was handled very poorly. I thought, well, and I, and I know Pfeiffer's a better actor than that. So I don't know. No, I think it's it was dialogue. A, I say it had to be dialogue and uh, directional Dr- cues because that that was just brutal to watch. You thought so too, yeah. Well, and I maybe mean, or maybe editing, maybe it might have been poor editing. It got wrecked in the edit. They're like, "This is boring. We don't need this character stuff. Cut it out." So like maybe some of the dialogue got lost. But man, well, because I mean, you're right. He's supposed to come across as kind of like this. Reformed criminal, former gangbanger. He doesn't even come across as like a hood dude no more. I mean, he's just a watered down black stereotype at this point. And well, I mean, a very watered down black stereotype. And I'm not saying it'd be better if they like leaned into it. And well, go one way or the other. Well, my thing is like the character they're aiming for is is not good, and they didn't even land that. So 
it's a double fail. They failed at what would have otherwise been a failure. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, growing up where I grew, where I live, I don't know too many emo hood guys. And that's what he felt like to me in this movie is, you know, emo from the hood. And he's, he's going to be a dad. Yeah. G- <laughs> give me a tear. You know, it, <laughs> but I, I don't know too many. Like I said, I don't know too many emos on the block. And then, and then there's the TV salesman and he's the closest to a likable character, but he's kind of, he's also kind of, he's also very sterile. <laughs> like he's boring. He's a white guy. Well, with a little personality, the, but he's still a white guy. He's the guy. He's the nice guy, but he's the guy with the plan, and he'll do what needs to be done if that if it comes to it. But like that's it. you know he's, he's kind of boring though. I felt bad watching the girl's dad change. Well, and see, and I that's, think that was kind of a nod to watching the uh, totally because yeah, well, I mean it was again it was a gut wrenching just. It was like, you know, it's kind of personal because it's like watching somebody with cancer go through yeah, everything. And it was just like, oh, except at a highly accelerated. <laughs> but, well, I was going to say, except this is like, you're right. And the makeup even calls back to that. It's really good makeup on him. It's Max Headroom. It's the guy, you know, whatever you've seen in lots of stuff. Yeah. But uh, here's the problem. You don't. I mean, it's sad because the scenario is sad. The makeup's good. And they play this guy as a nice guy. He was literally introduced into the movie maybe five minutes prior. Yeah. They literally introduce a character into the movie so they could do this. And it's like, you don't, who is this guy? Like, I had more feelings for that guy than I did the people we actually had vested interest in. Dude, exactly. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, um, I, it doesn't, for me, that his character doesn't work because it's manipulative. It's an, it's obviously manipulative because they introduced him and immediately set him up and inf- he's infected to begin with. They set him up as a super nice guy so they could kill him literally five minutes later just to manipulate you into feeling something and thinking this movie has a heart. It doesn't. Why couldn't that be one of our main characters that you could have actually attempted to make us care about? Yeah. Instead, they did all of that with the main character behind closed doors. That's, I think, the, the main thing that... That's the thing that really bugs me about Zack Snyder movies is he'll do these things. He'll set up these things where it's like, well, this is supposed to be like... They're supposed to... Not to jump into the DC movies, but look at like, uh, you know... Uh, Man of Steel. I liked Man of Steel. I'm one of the few. I know. I actually did kind of like Man of Steel, but it does these things where it's like supposed to, it's all the slow-mo and like the Jesus imagery and like all this, like it's supposed to set this stuff up, but it's like, dude, you can't just make a slow-mo scene or have a, or do a scene without where it's obvious we're supposed to feel this thing because you've got the music and it's visually dynamic without actually doing the legwork of setting the character up beforehand. Yeah. And I feel like that's the problem with a lot of Zack Snyder movies is he'll like do the scene that imitates the thing that's supposed to make you feel something, but he never does the actual legwork to make it truly impactful. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, oh, no, It's no, relevant. I say it's relevant. Snyder did that same thing Snyder did in this. And I honestly, I think if he didn't think it was so successful in this, he wouldn't have done it again in later movies. Um, 
But I want to go back to uh, when the main girl was driving before she crashed her car. There was the uh, tanker explosion in front of the cafe. Mm -hmm. Was that a direct Easter egg to Ben's story in the original Night of the Living Dead? Because that is almost spot for spot his his story of what happened uh in night of the living dead i think it might be i think it was inspired by that for sure and so i did this a weird i rewatched like i said i rewatched maybe i didn't say it on the actual episode but i rewatched three of these movies i've seen the original dawn of the dead a million times so i didn't rewatch that one but i rewatched the other three we're talking about this episode but I did it in a weird order. I did the Night remake, and then I did the Dawn remake, and then I did the original Night of the Living Dead. So the Dawn of the Dead remake was fresh in my mind, rewatching Night of the Living Dead, and I was like, oh, oh, I bet that I bet that is totally a reference to that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, that's a nice little uh, nod. And other Easter egg, uh, the shipping company is the same company from the original Dawn of the Dead on the truck. Ooh, keep going with Easter eggs, because there's, there's some good ones here. I'm thinking you caught more than I did. I mean, well, there's Ken Faree. He's back as a televangelist. Yep. He gets to he gets to deliver his line again. You know, it's one of the last things that plays across the TV. You know, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And once again, we get Tom Savini. This time, he's a cop. Uh, yep. <laughs> and they make a point of saying he's a badass. Yeah. The guy's a badass because he says something about, oh, we got a twitcher got here a twitcher. in the one. That guy's the one a di- badass. The dipshit kids like, oh, Twitcher. Oh. <laughs> uh, what's the? Hold on. What's the other guy's name? Um, there's another cameo. But yeah, I mean, and this is before people really started looking for Easter eggs in movies. So it's kind of interesting. Specifically from. So yeah, we we get Ken Forey. Uh, his cameo on as the TV evangelist is is great. And then he gets to li- deliver his lines again. We also get the other guy, Roger uh, Scott H. Rainier, uh, or however you pronounce it, but uh, not Flyboy, but the other guy. He played Roger. He plays uh, the Army General on the TV. Huh. And then, yeah, Tom Savini and Ken Forey. Cool. I missed him. But, I mean, this was back before you, you know, people would actually actively look for easter eggs so i mean it's kind of cool that they were there one of the cool things about the remake was that they figured out it was the bites that was spreading the uh disease you know because it was always well we don't know why this is spreading we don't you know and then uh our main girl is like oh it's the bites that that, that, that's what's making it uh go from person to person I feel like they hint at it pretty heavily although you know they hinted at pretty heavily in the original night they hit on it specifically, I think, in the remake of Night. But yeah, they 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 pointed out for sure in this. Um, was it just me, or was listening to Disturbs Down with the Sickness as elevator music extremely weird? Oh, it is weird. <laughs> it is weird. So that is by a guy named Richard. <laughs> that is by a guy named Richard Cheese, and uh, one of them, I know this a better name for it. Right, perfect. And I know this because one of my buddies back in the day had his album. And I think it was the album that had this song on it. But it was basically all like lounge singer style jazz club 
style covers of heavier songs and alternative songs at the time period. So there, there's a Rage Against the Machine track, and they, you know, Disturbed, and a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, it's goofy. It's goofy. That's I remember the one bit of fun in this movie. <laughs> I remember when I saw this movie in theaters, it got to this part, and the lady sitting in front of me got a hair full of pop. Did you? <laughs> when I realized what song was playing, it was a full spit take. Because you know, it, it doesn't sound like Down With The Sickness at start, but then when it actually hit, I lost it. The pop came out of my mouth, and I was... <laughs> Dying. The woman in front of me was pissed, but I was laughing my ass off over the song choice in the movie. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was one of the weirdest decisions I've ever heard. It's unusual. I mean, it's a goofy thing in the first place, but it's strange to, it's strange to include it. But I guess, you know, whatever. That's the, that's the fun, fun montage. It's like, hey, this is the, you know, you know how the middle part of the original movie was about how it's it's kind of fun to live in a mall? This is the two-minute montage of fun. And That's then we it. segue into That's Celebrity Wackadead. Oh, yeah. I guess that was kind of fun. Um, although dark. But <laughs> since you mentioned music, I do want to talk, talk just a moment about music. There's four main track selections. And not I'm not talking about score, but like actual music. And for the most part, I think they're pretty good. The opening credits is an awesome Johnny Cash song. Yeah. Love it. Uh, the And then you've got that, the Down With The Sickness. There's probably some other music during the movie. But then the closing credits gets, oh, what's the song? These are the people that died, died. Or, you know, those are people that died, died. I don't know. I like that kind of punk song that they play at the end. Yeah. Uh, and then at the very end of the credits, because you actually, did, I actually did watch through because there's, there's relevant stuff that happens during the credits. Um, you get a big chunk of the actual Disturbed song. Yeah. And it's like the worst part of the song. That song is so goofy. <laughs> Dude, you know what? I don't care. Disturbed. That's so goofy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Celebrity Wacky Dead was kind of fun. You know, tell him to get Burt Reynolds. Wow, he is good. That didn't even look that... He wasn't even that close of a resemblance. How would he find that? He found it pretty quick, too. Yeah. As a... Tell him to get Rosie. Rosie, nah, Rosie's too easy. Give him a hard one, you know. That is one of my favorite additions to this movie. That it's not in the original. This whole like kind of subplot thing with the guy on the, with what was his name? Andy. Ken? Andy. Andy. With the guy across the way. He's <laughs> is it the guy the in the gunshot. I remember. It's the most interesting character that we never actually see any screen that that doesn't actually get on-screen dialogue (laughs) you get literally we know nothing about him but they made him the most interesting character because you know he's he's i like this yeah i like that idea of they only like they communicate through they have to use binoculars to even see each other and they'll communicate through writing on big signs and uh that's like that's ving reams's friend is the one friend in the movie. I made a friend. Because they play chess and stuff. I don't know. Like, I, I thought that was super cool idea. Yeah, apparently That's, Andy's really good at chess. Yep. Because it didn't look like there were that many moves made on that chess board. <laughs> or Ving, Ving Rangs is just terrible Just that bad. <laughs> yep. Not his game. Um, Zombie Babies. Dark. Is this, the, is this the first movie to explore being born a zombie? Maybe. I'm not sure. And it feels like something that the Return of the Living Dead series might have done at some point, but maybe not. And would you kill it off? Because I, 
I'm interested to see what would happen when something <laughs> porn a zombie grows up. Well, see, that's the thing, though. Would it grow? I don't yeah. think it it's like, would. Does it, stay a, does it stay a baby and you just have this like little ankle biter? Not even Pro- Can't even crawl around to get you? Probably. Problem is with a little ankle biter is it does they, it bites you once and then you're a zombie. Well, at, at that age, you can't even crawl around. So I mean, it just lays there. Just, so the, it lures you in with it, it. It's like a siren. It lures you in and bites you when you come over to check on it. So I give them props for going this dark, because watching this, there was a couple times where I'm like, dude, this was a big studio movie. I'm amazed they did this. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but the, this whole the zombie baby thing, I'm I'm impressed that they went that dark. But this that scene, there's several notable things. For one, we actually get super Zack Snyder flair because you know a lot of the other gunfights, like the action and stuff, is good in this movie. But it's typical gunfight. Somebody's shooting a gun, blah blah blah, whatever. But this, we actually get a more visually stylistic Zack Snyder flair to where you get the up close slow motion every time the gun one of their guns fire and it looks good and it's super dynamic and you get yeah. the slow-mo bullet casing hitting hitting the ground and it's just very stylized and that's kind of like eventually Zack Snyder just that's his style like from start to finish of a movie but that I'm assuming that style is super it's expensive to do that kind of stylistic uh sequence so we only get it once here but so that's notable and and enjoyable i thought it was good it's handled well um the downside is this is where they establish some rules and this is when i first watched this and i know this is me being a, a horror movie snob i think i was on happy this is where because i seen this in the theater i seen this movie in the theater and this is where i was like nope nope screw this movie because they they change how zombies work, which is fine. I mean, they're fast zombies. It's its own movie. They're you know they're gonna establish, but it's purely spread through infection. And part of what I really liked about the original the original zombie series is like everybody that dies turn comes back. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be infected. We're all kind of automatically infected. If you get bit, you're actually infected, and that kills you, and then you come back. Or if you're just a corpse, you come back. That's how the Night of the Living Dead plays it, and I like that. And this definitively, like that scene establishes, because the one chick gets shot, the one lady gets shot, and they even wait for her to come back, and they're like, "Okay, no, it's if you have to, you have to be infected." And I'm like, "I don't like that. I don't like that at all." They, they did change the rules mid-game. Not even mid-game at that point. The game's almost over, and they changed the rules. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're just establishing... There's nothing wrong with it. They're just establishing that it's purely an infection spread through zombie bites. But I was like, "Mm, why? Why are you going to remake the movie and then, I don't know. Change, you know... I kind of feel like... Premise? Dawn of the Dead was the selling point because people know Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. But really, this movie... See, a lot of people... A lot of people I've seen that review it, they're like, this isn't so much a remake as like a cover. It's it's not a remake. It's like a cover song where the original, 
the Night of the Living Dead remake is a straight up remake, very close to the original. What they changed, they changed based on the original. They changed it because of uh, it's a some type of reflection of the original. This one, they're just like, this is just our kind of take of it, our take on the theme of Dawn of the Dead. You know, so I get that, and I I'm not that, which is why it says based on I'm the not story that st- of Romero. <laughs> I'm not that stuck up on it now, but when I first watched it, I was like, dude, no. It's so much better when everyone who's dead turns into a zombie. That makes it so much worse. Does Snyder get credited with the start of the zombie killing 18 buses, or did that happen pre-Snyder? <laughs> I don't know. I say, I'm I trying don't to know. remember. I don't remember seeing it in anything else until this movie and it's then you get yeah the like the a-team episode okay we're gonna redo the shuttle and now we have this zombie tank and we are good to go maybe maybe this definitely like like i said if if the original dawn of the dead kind of set the blueprint for what a modern zombie apocalypse movie is this set the blueprint for what the modern zombie apocalypse video game is because so much yeah. of this movie feels like the left for dead you, all, all these even even to a point um what was it dead rising oh was very it, much dead rising which is they got sued by the original dawn of the dead producers for ripping them off but that feels more like this than the original in your notes you ask chainsaw bus genius or dumb yeah what do you think i I think it was a good idea on paper (laughs) but then obviously bad idea in practice (laughs) we see why we see very clearly why this was a dumb idea like i know i I get their thought process like hey we need to make it so we can cut the guys off the side it's good if you're if you're not moving but if you hit chainsaws in any movie vehicle, <laughs> is a stupid idea. I mean, unless you mount it. I mean, th- th- that's the only way I could think of. To, to where, where it can't, like, come out. Where you can slide it back and forth, but it's not going to come out of that slot. Yeah, similar to, like, how you would mount cannons on an old ship. And then, yeah, the Olympic Torch zombie is probably my favorite zombie in the whole movie. Did I miss this? What? What is he's this? the guy that gets the propane tank with the flare in it, <laughs> and he's holding oh. it up like the like he's got the Olympic torch. He's the very. I don't, I don't know why I'm putting my hands up like I'm holding he, the Olympic torch, but <laughs> he's the very story convenient strongman zombie he's because like, they throw that propane tank out into the crowd, dude. He'd have never been able to shoot that thing no. because it hit the ground and you couldn't see it. Fortunately, there was a huge shirtless muscle man zombie who's like, what's this? And picks it up and holds it above his head. (laughs) Boom! Wipes out everybody. I mean, that was good. Dude, this this whole escape sequence, even though it was all kicked off by just the one of the dumbest moves by any of the characters in this movie. Let's talk about how this transpires because the dude across, they're getting ready to leave because they're tired of it. They're tired of living in the mall. They want to leave. They're like, well, okay, well, we'll be ready in five days. Well, the dude across the way, Andy, can't live for five. He he can't make it that long. He's starving to death. So they're like, we need to figure out how to get food to him. So they send the dog over because in this world, the zombies don't attack animals. Um, dog goes over. That's bad for, for Andy because then zombies get in when he lets the dog in. And then the chick who's kind of like bonded with the dog just goes total moron, hijacks a car, uh, a van, and then drives over there by herself and gets in there and gets trapped by now zombie Andy. So then they have to like figure they have to go over there essentially on foot to rescue her. 
and then they come back and they're like, well, you know what? It's all gone to hell. So it's time to leave now, dude. Why didn't you just guys just leave to begin with and pick Andy up on the way? This whole like dog thing, like it's like at that point, yeah, they should have just said, you know what? We got the stuff. Let's roll. See, and this is where pick him up and he can eat in the car. So do you think this works? Do you think that works better than uh, bikers? Because no, again, it changed the, okay, actually, no, it didn't change the feel of the movie, but it it just seemed like they were rushing the whole, we got to get them out of the mall. It does seem very sudden. Like, it's weird. Surviving on before the dog had to go feed him. I mean, I'm guessing he had some canned stuff in there and he just ran out, but. Ration it, man. He's only one little guy. Oh, I'm sure he did, dude. Like, <laughs> there's no sense of like how much time has passed while they're there. It doesn't feel like as much time as the original, but I don't know. And anyway, actually, looking at his gun store, I'm pretty sure he had a bunch of MREs. Oh yeah, probably. Uh, but and this at whole a certain point, I probably would have just said, "Screw it, I'm dying." Even though leading into it is idiotic, I, I like this whole client, this whole final sequence. The buses, the chainsaw, that chainsaw incident is brutal. I say it was the whole escape was very escape from New York esque. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I can see that. The gore in this is great. I think the effects are great. And watching this, I was thinking about again. I mentioned it earlier, but this was the thing of like it's cool to see a big budget major studio zombie movie that actually like lets you go in on the gore. Let let the let the yeah. filmmakers go every gunshot, like every, the zombies. There's explosion. Like it's all pretty hardcore. And I was like, so the other modern comparison would be World War Z. World War Z had like the spectacle of mountains of zombies climbing on each other. But I was like, this is is way better than World War Z. And I think part of it is CGI. Like this isn't, there's obviously there's effects. There's some CGI in there. But like this isn't reliant on CGI like World War Z where... A lot of the zombies are just CGI characters. No, this was a lot of blood packs. Yeah, actual physical blood. It's 2004. I mean, CGI was a thing, but they weren't completely relying on it yet. But it looks good. So then we get to the boat. Our surviving characters is Ving Rhames, our lead girl, uh, the redhead, and white guy up to a certain point. They've all kind of had their story character redemptions. You know, they're working... For, you know, they're working for the cause. They're working as a team well, to get... Which white guy? You got a uh, jerky security white guy, and then you got nice TV salesman white TV guy. TV salesman. Because the jerky security white guy does kind of have an I arc. Say he, he, I say, yeah, he, he becomes he a team player. His, you, you see his growth throughout the whole thing. Because, yeah, I, I wanted to shoot him at the beginning. Yeah. But, I mean, I got it. You know, he, he, he had the mall to himself. He was small security. He had... He had all the power. Then he had no power. But so we, we got to see the character redemptions as they escape and TV salesman sacrifices himself so that everybody can hop the yacht and leave. End of movie, right? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> they play stuff in the credits. I, I, I like this, actually. I, 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 I like it. It was, it was really nice when they were adding uh, the video stuff. And then my other note, it was, when did severing the head stop working? Because, what do you mean? Well, in the previous movies, it was shoot him in the head or sever the head from the spine. And in the credit scenes, they open that cooler and it's just a head. Ooh, you're alive. right. You're right. Super interesting. I didn't even pick up on that. You're right. So it's well, like, obviously, I'm guessing they're obviously you going on the rules again. 
you have to destroy the brain, I guess. But I didn't even think about that. And also, what's the scenario that somebody, how did that head get in that cooler? <laughs> I want to, that was the my, my thing. I'm just like, what is the story there? Well, what's the scenario? If it was the other guy in the boat severed the head because that's what he was told to do. And that head was still just. And instead of booting it into the ocean, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to put you in a cooler. Chill out. And then he gets eaten by sharks. I'm assuming, I'm assuming he got eaten by sharks. You're eating, yeah. And then that sets up Zombie, the unofficial Italian sequel to Dawn of the Dead, uh, also known as Zombie 2 in some places, where you get to see a zombie fight a shark. True story. And how come there was never an Island of the Dead? Both movies hinted at it. Romero never made Island of the Dead. There was Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, never an Island of the Dead. Like, in the original Dawn of the Dead, it was, where are you going? Oh, we're going to an island. What island? And then later, you know, they're escaping. In this one, they end up on an island. Island of the Dead is never a movie. What are the movies after that? Land of the Dead, Survival of the Dead. Oh, was that it? I thought there was one more. Uh, I think let's say there's Day of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. Survival of the Dead is his Island of the Dead. It takes place on an island well, off the coast of North America. Call it Island of the Dead. There's another one. Dude, those last two were real bad. In my opinion. It's towards the end of his career, yeah. But I think he was just trying to get his story told. Oh, there these aren't listed in order. Diary of the Dead, that's the other one. That's like his found footage type one. No, I like this I like this ending because like you if you if even though it doesn't like it's not like it rolls credits for a while and then goes to the like stuff, it starts rolling credits, but it pick kicks into this like found footage camera footage that they find on there whatever and that's how you kind of find out what happened to them once they hit the island but uh it kicks into that pretty quick but if you just jumped up and left you're like that was almost a happy ending <laughs> it's, it's not it's it's implied pretty heavily that they get to the zo- the island it's full of zombies and they're probably all dead I say if you stopped wa- if you stop watching the movie before the credits it is a happy ending people survive yeah like three of them get out of there and then yeah you watch clear through you're like well well damn yeah, it doesn't. It's not. It's it's a little cake and eat it too thing. Nobody live now. Yeah, I liked it too. Well, let's move into what's becoming a tradition. I have an episode related question for you, my guest. <gasps> Ooh. Um. Well, given that in our current climate, a mall is probably not the. Uh, <laughs> the, the malls are the zombies because <laughs> um, <laughs> they did. <laughs> best place to uh survive how would you survive where would you go and how would you sur- what's your zombie survival plan i guess this is my question for a long time it was walmart's <laughs> because uh those were the modern mall replacements um but they don't sell guns anymore either oh uh, some of them <laughs> or have they all stopped i don't know yes, man i think they're in the process of all stopping okay i was gonna say last time i was up at the blair walmart there they had guns I mean, you can get really good with a bow and arrow. Taser. Taser <laughs> probably is no good on a zombie. <laughs> See, you want to kill the brain, not restart the heart. They stop selling violent video games, but I give me a shotgun. Oh, that's a good question. So where would the ideal play? It's something I haven't, because that was like, you know, everybody's like, what's your zombie survival plan? That was a big thing for many years. So, but it's something I hadn't thought about in a long time. For a long time, it would have been Walmart's, but Walmart's, Walmart's or big box stores like that, 
are and are not a good idea. I think they are because there's not that many entrances you have to barricade. If you make sure that the uh, the back doors, like the big truck doors, are closed and locked down, those are probably fine. You just got to then make sure that the front in- entrances are shut. However, there's nowhere to go in there. Most Walmarts, they'll have some bathrooms without doors, really, and then some employee area in the back. But even that, there's not a lot of places to go. Whereas something like this, um, excuse me, something like this, these malls, you can shut down the, in- close off the individual stores. Walmarts are big, wide open. Realistically, I guess somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, I just hop in my car. I wouldn't stay in the city I'm in, in the town I'm in now, but I'd hop in my car and just drive up north a little bit. There's a lot of nothing out there. Find some little place to hold up, maybe. See, I always figured I'd head to like a Bass Pro or a sporting goods store because they have the weapons and MREs. But MREs is a good thought, though, because I that's... Mean, they're, 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 they can sustain you. They're not the greatest thing to eat, but they'll get you by. Hey, finally lose that weight I've been working on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Apocalypse will do that. I say, I know I'm not out running any zombies. They hit my house. The best thing I can do is sacrifice myself so my family can get out. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't outrunning nobody. Like, go. Just leave me. They're like, we are. (laughs) We are. Don't worry about it. Thank you. We already were. We were waiting for your permission. (laughs) My son would do it in a heartbeat. See you, Dad. Uh, We'll remember you, Pete. You'll be like, it's Paul. Whatever. (laughs) They already forget your name. Anything you want to promote? I do a podcast called the Grolix Podcast. I We also have a spinoff podcast called the Grolix Cinematic Universe. On the Grolix Podcast, we talk about comic books and uh, usually comic book-related movies, TV shows, basically whatever we're into and want to talk about. Grolix Cinematic Universe, we take two movies as some type of themed double feature. We review each and then pitch our versions, our fan fiction-style versions of a shared cinematic universe between those. Uh, so you can check those out at Grolix Cinematic uh, ooh, at GrolixPodcast.com it's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com I also do podcast uh, production stuff I am a freelance producer so uh, PodEdit.com if you're looking to launch a podcast or need help with one and you're willing to pay me I'll help you <laughs> well and now if I'm not mistaken after each GCU episode you can pitch your own story oh yeah on Twitter and Facebook facebook i believe that is something i mean that's something we've been open to but it's not really something i've actively promoted until our recent episode we did jason x and leprechaun in space which is quite the double feature and i got to thinking i was like dude i really want to know what other people come up with this so yeah really any double feature that we've done on the show but uh if you if you see we've happened to recently do an interesting double feature that you have an idea on how those movies could be combined Hit us up on Twitter at GCU Podcast for the Grolic Cinematic Universe. Or go to uh, Facebook, our Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Grolic's Podcast. And, dude, it could be unsolicited. Just hit us with your, your, your version of what a shared universe would be between Jason X and Leprechaun 4. Or, oh, what else have we done recently? Um, Warriors and... Uh, murder Party... Uh, in the past, we've done we did Hellraiser and Seven. Right now, we're doing a lot of horror movies this season. Because horror season is the theme. Horror. But in the past, we've done like we did season three was all Quentin Tarantino movies. So we'd pair Tarantino movies with something else kind of related. So yeah, whatever. 
we want to hear your pitches because man, it's it's ridiculous, stupid fun. But sometimes we'll come up with <laughs> we'll come up with or somebody will come up with a pitch for like a pair of movies combining them that should never work. And I'm like, I I actually really want to see that. <laughs> so and you have these over on uh, EMC too, don't you? Yes. On the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. So, yeah, if you're not listening to this episode on Electronic Media Collective, head over there, check out other episodes of my show, his show, his other show, and a bunch of other people's shows that cover a wide range of topics. If you can find something that interests you, podcasts really aren't your thing. Yeah, there is. It's, it's, we have an emphasis. And I say we have because I run the EMC podcast network. We have an emphasis on like entertainment and fandom podcasts. So you'll get a lot of, there's a lot of TV and movie podcasts, pro, uh, pro wrestling podcasts, and then uh, some other stuff too. We got some, there's comedy shows, uh, horror, short story podcasts, stuff like that. A lot of fun. Well, yeah. Say with the pro wrestling one, you have Psycho Sid. Yes, Sid Vicious, exclusively. Uh, I mean, right, it's timed exclusive, so you'll hear his episodes first, but I don't think they're actually going up anywhere else. So for the most part, exclusively on the on electronicmediacollective.com. Uh, Sid Udi, a.k.a. Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid, Sid Justice. Uh, you know, he's a pro wrestling legend. The last name and like we, that, I'd be Psycho too. We have <laughs> Udi. Yeah. <laughs> We we have his his it's his podcast, uh, Vicious Circle. It's on the on the network. Come check it out. It's good stuff. Even me, like I'm not that I'm not really a pro wrestling fan. I haven't kept up with it since I was a kid. Um, and I still find his podcast pretty fascinating because it's not just wrestling. He talks about his life and uh, well, I want to thank you for joining me on this episode, Randall. Thank you. And remember, folks. When the zombies come, conserve your ammo. Aim for the head. I'm Moose. I'm Randy. And until next time, mash on. Oh, <laughs>